reading this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 11 to 24. Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again. Well, a story to begin. It's one of my favourite stories, this. You may have heard it before, but it's worth telling again anyway. Well, there was once an old church, a very small church, out in the countryside, painted white and with a high steeple. And one Sunday, the minister noticed that his church was looking a little bit tired. It needed painting. So he checked out the Sunday advertisements and he found there was a sale on for paint at a local DIY shop. The next day he went into town and he bought a gallon of white paint and he went back out to the church and began the job all alone. He got the first side finished and it was looking really good but he noticed he already used half a gallon of the paint Well, he didn't want to run back into town, and being the sort of creative person that he was, he found a gallon of thinner in the shed out back and began to thin his paint. Now, it worked out wonderfully. He finished the remaining three sides with the last half a gallon of paint, and that night it rained, and it rained hard. The next morning when he stepped outside of the vicarage to admire his work, he saw that the first side was looking good. Very good. But that the paint on the other three sides 
had washed away completely. And the vicar looked up in the sky in complete anguish and cried out, What shall I do? And a voice came back from the heavens saying, Repaint and thin no more. (laughs) Oh dear. Anyway, it's the groan that gets me every time. Anyway, we're exploring the theme, aren't we? And we've been doing it for some weeks now. It's church, but not as we know it. You can see that on the screen. And this is the penultimate week that we're looking at this theme. And we've been looking at um, a material uh, that in some way has uh, been inspired by Phil Potter's book, The Challenge of Change. This week we're not really touching on that, but it's a fantastic book. If you've not read it, I encourage you to read it. You can uh, get it from uh, uh, the bookshop in town. You can get it uh, off Amazon, and uh, it's a fantastic read. And we're thinking about the way that God wants us to shape as a church. He wants us to give church more than a lick of paint like the church in the story. He's wanting us to truly develop, to move on, and to change. And he wants all of us to be involved and to play our part. Unlike that story of the one vicar going out and painting the church. It really wouldn't have changed the church, would it, at all? And there was only one person involved. No, God wants us all to play our part in some way. Some way that we can all manage and use our gifts towards God is giving us a vision to go for, to work towards. He's also showing us some of the major issues that we need to grapple with and face in the church today. Not just in this place, but a church anywhere. And we've been doing quite a lot of that over the last weeks. But all the things we've explored over the last month or so, I'm very aware that it might all sound very theoretical. Pie in the sky almost, because it's a vision, isn't it? It's not the present state of affairs. We can't look at it right now. We can't touch it. We can't feel it. It's very difficult to know exactly how we're going to shape up into the future. And we might struggle to see the vision or to grasp the vision. We need some idea of what Christ church will look like as we journey towards this vision God has given us. We need to stop along the way and to take in the view. Now on Friday, it was uh, very unlike yesterday, which was grey and horrible. But Friday was beautiful. It was clear blue sky. And, you, and when you were outside, you could even feel a little bit of warmth in the sun. And I went for a walk um, early on Friday morning with Max. And uh, we walked up to Lith Hill. And when we uh, got up to the top of Lith Hill, we stopped along the way. And we took in the view. And I leaned on a gate and Max sat down. And when I looked at him, he was sort of taking in the view as well, you know, just like me. I could hear the birds and then a robin came and and sat on the post and sang for us. And it was all very pleasant. And it was a fantastic opportunity to take in the view and to get some perspective. And I think we need to do that as a church from time to time. And today is one of those times Now, at the outset, I want to say that church isn't 
ideas, bright ideas, goals, methods or processes. It isn't any of those things. It is the people. The people in relationship with God and each other. And it's the people relating to the world as God relates to the world. That's church. And the writer Paul, in his letter to the church in Thessalonica that we heard a few minutes ago, highlights this very idea. Paul is thrilled with the progress that this relatively new or baby church is making. But of course, Paul is never one to uh, sit back and dwell on past achievements. Instead, Paul challenges the Thessalonian church on the needs, on their needs, as he sees them. Now, Paul sees an imperfect church, which isn't yet fulfilling its potential. There are the weak, the faint-hearted, the idlers, the workers, the visionaries, and the puzzled. A whole mixed bag. And in this sense, Paul could be addressing most churches, couldn't he? And he could certainly be addressing us here in Christchurch. Paul gives the church back then and us today instructions that will help us fulfill our potential as a church. And there's a long list of them, isn't there? Encourage one another. Respect those who work hard. Hold those who are over you in the highest regard. Live in peace with each other. Warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone and so on and so on. Paul makes it clear that to be the church God is calling us to be depends on us living lives of a certain quality. But to live lives of a certain quality depends on the quality of our relationship with God. And Paul's major clue about this comes in verse 23. You can see it for yourself. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. I love this image. Uh, the next one, please. I love that. An image of us and the Trinity interlocked, supporting, part of the same community. It's a fantastic thought. Now keep that in mind. Because to be sanctified involves two things. Firstly, giving ourselves 100% to God. And secondly, depending on the power of God working in us and through us. This is the key to fulfilling our God-given vision and our potential as a church. This very thing is going to be the breath in our lungs, the fuel for the fire, the petrol for the engine. Now this is a recurring theme for us as a church at the moment. We keep being reminded about it almost constantly at the moment. There is a need for us all, every single one of us, to dedicate ourselves to God and to depend on his inner strength, his Holy Spirit living in us as we live for him each and every day. Now the children and I love water slides. We absolutely love them. We love them at swimming pools. We love them in centre parks. They're just great fun. And Kate isn't so keen. 
she needs a great deal of coaxing to go up those stairs and then to be pushed off and it is pushed off <laughs> but to get the most out of water slides you have to let yourself go you have to push off the ledge at the top and only then can the water that slides down pours down these slides carry you along as you follow every twist and turn of the slide this is a great illustration of the christian life only when we give ourselves to god fully when we let go of the ledge at the top the ledge that we're gripping onto so very tightly can god's spirit help us along the way like water down a slide guiding us along every twist and turn and if that's true for us individually then it's true for us as a church community when we dedicate ourselves 100% to god when we let go of our own selfish agendas and say yes to god's plans for us say yes to the adventure that he's leading us into then we have the promise the assurance that his holy spirit will give us the inner strength and the inspiration and the encouragement we need to live as he wants us to and to do what he was wants us to do now linked to this is another crucial point made by paul in verse 19 do not put out the spirit's fire now i think this is a reference to the marks of the church in thessalonica that needed attention those weaknesses those areas that needed to be addressed and paul is saying do not pour cold water on the fire of the spirit of god through your weaknesses through your despondency or your confusion or your timidity or your idleness and the same could be said for us too couldn't it it's as if paul's telling us today don't limit what god is doing among you don't ignore the vision that he's painting for you don't shirk the need to give yourselves to god so that he can empower you to do the great things that he's got in store for you mark twain wrote these wonderful words and i love these words and they've they've been um a regular inspiration to me for a long time now you may have heard them or read them uh, yourself but he wrote this 20 years from now you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do so throw off the ropes sail away from the safe harbor catch the trade winds in your sails explore dream discover 20 years from now you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do so throw off the ropes sail away from the safe harbor catch the trade winds in your sails explore dream discover so how does god want us to explore and dream and discover what does our vision mean in more practical terms Well you'll know now that following on from the evaluation process the PCC identified some priorities for our vision for the next 5 years or so. And a vision strategy group 
is now working on a vision map. I've told you about that before. And that plots how we're going to put that vision into practice, the goals that we're going to set ourselves to help us to get to where we know God is calling us to go. Now, I've summarized these goals for us this morning to help us to grasp how we'll be putting this vision into practice. I've, I've gathered them up in some senses, and I've, and I've brought them into um, terms and aspects of church that we can understand. And many of these aspects of church will be familiar to us, but the way that we're going to um, put them into practice will be very different in the years ahead. We're going to be radically reimagining church, reshaping church for today. Not simply going to be adding in a few experiments or ideas to what we've already got. But we'll be reshaping the whole of our church life. The core activities and the community. So that we're mission shaped through and through. So that we're all playing a part in that Firstly then, you'll see on the screen, we're going to be pioneering fresh expressions of church. Church where people are on their terms. Going where no one has gone before like true pioneers into virgin territory. That's what a pioneer minister does, for example. And we'll be following that pattern. And we need the encourage, the encouragement, sorry, the encouragement and the inspiration to do things differently. We'll be exploring new ways of being church, not just simply ways of meeting on a Sunday where we sit in rows, but more relational ways than that. The staff team and other leaders will no doubt be nurturing or planting fresh expressions uh, of church, new ways of being church. But also the responsibility will be with each of us to grow church around our interests, our network of friends our family life, in our workplaces. And over time, we'll see an increasing number of congregations emerging across all age groups. Not just the young, but across every age group. So how about a fresh expression, a new way of being church called in stillness and simplicity, meeting in a cafe venue in a redeveloped church, in I don't know how many years' time. Or how about church for men or church for women in ways appropriate to each gender? Yesterday, I was looking on Facebook in the afternoon and some friends of ours from a church we used to work at, St. Mary's in Luton, they had their uh, church for men yesterday and they, they met around golf and lunch. Sounds good to me. If you want to know more about fresh expressions, there's a course and it's called Mission Shaped Intro. And we're going to have a chance to run that later this year. Moving on then, secondly, home groups will be the backbone of our church community. And these groups will not just be look after my faith, Bible study groups, but mission shaped communities. Inclusive, resourcing Christian living, deepening relationships. There'll be places of care. These will be the sort of place where we can grow as followers of Jesus 
and grow in relationship to one another. And we'll have opportunities to increasingly link with projects or people in the community and have opportunity to welcome and nurture new Christians. Thirdly, there'll be inherited church. That term just means church as we already have it, like now. And that will be an important part of our church community, and it will continue to be so. It will be an oasis of familiarity for some in a world of bewildering change. But certain aspects will need to develop to ensure that we're shaped for mission and not just looking after ourselves. And also it will need to change so that it's not, and I've said this before, it's not just the many coming to be looked after by the few. We need to work at ways of the many looking after the many, where we all share a responsibility in making church, not just enjoying the church that somebody else made for me. Fourthly, there'll be life-giving, God-filled worship. Worship that connects with all ages, connects with life and culture. Worship that is inclusive and accessible. Worship that takes us deeper with God. Worship that meets people where they are in their life issues, in the things that matter to them. And we'll need to explore different forms of worship as well, not just sitting in rows sorts of worship. Fifthly, we'll be resourcing prayer. We'll need to work out providing contemporary spirituality, a spirituality, a way of connecting with God that helps people in their everyday life. Prayer ministry, I think, will become more and more important as we all look to pray for one another. Not just here in the holy space, but out there in the marketplace, next to the photocopier at work, at the school gate. Prayer resources to help with the whole of life will be key. Sixthly, we'll be growing leaders, moving from control where people just do what the vicar has asked of them, to cultivation. And Kate was talking about this last week, wasn't it? I found that a really helpful picture of creating the soil, the garden, in which people can grow and flourish, as opposed to just being given a task and a, and a, and a gap to fill. And myself and Kate, the whole staff team and leadership, will be about resourcing the ministry of all the people, Cultivating this garden in which we can flourish and making sure that more and more leaders are identified and trained and released where we multiply our ministries. I don't want us to just get by anymore and just about cover things in a sort of thin and make things uh, a makeshift sort of way. We need to get to the point where more and more people are being released in ministry. Seventhly, then, we'll be involving all, and church will increasingly have to be like this. won't simply be something provided for us, but it'll be something that we help make happen. Moving from orchestrated ministry, where people just fill gaps, to improvising. You expressing your sense of calling. You expressing your gifts. You doing something about the passion that God's placed in your heart, 
even if it's a dissatisfaction with something, more often than not, that's God saying, get on and do something about it, in my experience. And this involves taking responsibility. So, for example, men's church. I gave you an example of St. Mary's in Luton yesterday. Now, me organising something is just that old-fashioned, top-down way of doing church and leadership. It's just me initiating something for you, if you like, or for the guys. But mission-shaped church is one that says, hold on a minute, there's a group of guys possibly in this church that have a dissatisfaction and they want to get together. Or it could be a group of women and they want to get together and do church for women. And God gives them this sort of longing and this dissatisfaction. And together they make it happen. And they involve more people. That's going to work so much better. And God's going to do that with us increasingly. Number eight. We'll need to work towards whole life discipleship. Now when is the body of Christ the body of Christ? Well in truth... The church we've inherited, traditional church, answers this question by saying that it's when we're together. But really, if we search our hearts, we know that that's not true. We're always members of the body of Christ. When we're gathered in a worship service, or whether we're scattered in a hundred places, all over the place. All the things we do together as gathered community of God's people, whether that's worship, conversations, prayers... They're all intended to shape us for fruitful living every moment of every day. If Christianity is like being a member of a football team, often we think that the big match happens today when we all come together for worship. Players on the pitch and the spectators in the stands. But that's not true, is it? It's not true at all. These gathered times are the training. This is where we are put through our paces as a team. Because the match happens in all sorts of places every day of the week, wherever God puts us. And we need to equip each other across all ages to be able to follow Jesus in every aspect of life. Whether people have been a Christian for years or they're new to faith. And I think nurturing people will be important to this. Where we have groups or fresh expressions of church that help people explore the Christian faith. And they are able to grow in faith themselves. Number nine, we need to be a church where all are caring and being cared for. We'll need to develop a vision for care ministry for this. Home groups will be the backbone of this care. But we'll also need to have a team of gifted and trained people who will oversee and support the care that needs to happen for other people. Perhaps where that's beyond the remit or the expertise of home groups or where they're struggling to find the time. But again, this isn't a ministry in a mission-shaped church where the few do it for the many. This is something we all need to take responsibility for. Number 10, we'll be building for growth. And this is where we need a building for growth. 
Much of what we're about is taking church to the people, ensuring that Christ Church, Baston Hill, is at the heart of the community and meeting people where they are at. But to help us to do this, we also need a church building for growth and mission today. A building for our community. Our building has served us brilliantly over the years. And it's got huge potential. And I think refurbishing it and reordering it will be a key part of our development as a church. So, for example, what we're discussing as a PCC and a strategy group at the moment is developing the porch and foyer as part of the overall development to create a cafe for the community and for new ways of being church. It will become a venue for those things whilst also providing a welcoming entrance. That's just one example. Number 11, penultimate one. We'll need to stay close to God, and I've talked about that this morning. As I've outlined, the quality of our interaction, relationships and community will be determined by the quality of our relationships with God. Constantly giving ourselves to God will be key. Dealing with obstacles and pressing deeper in worship and prayer will be so important. And finally, aspect number 12, we'll need to be deepening relationships. Working for genuine, honest, supportive relationships. This won't happen simply by sitting in rows, staring at the back of somebody's neck. We'll have to be more creative than that. A great deal more creative. And it will, again, take uh, each of us to take responsibility for that and to make sure that we put ourselves in relationship with one another. So, to finish, I want to put all those areas on the screen. And I want to ask you, where do you see yourself? How is God calling you to play your part Because unless you play your part, we run the risk of that just being a bunch of words on the screen or words on a piece of paper. God has something for each of us to do. It needs every one of us to play our part. God needs your personality. He needs your skills, your time, your money and your prayers. We won't necessarily know what God wants us to do straight away. For many, this will emerge over time. But I encourage us all to be open to God's leading. The truth is that when we dedicate ourselves to God, when we let go of our selfish agendas and say yes to his plans, when we say yes to the adventure that he's leading us into, then we do have the promise, the assurance that his Holy Spirit will give us the inner strength we need to live as he wants us to live, to do what he wants us to do, and to become the church that he wants us to be. But will you do your part?